Hey everyone, Chris here, and welcome to the Tailboard Talks Firefighter Podcast. It's the first show with the new name, the new look. Now, if you go back and look at all the listings, all the artwork is the red writing with the gray faded background. Listen, I'm outside. I'm in the sunroom today. You're going to hear airplanes. You're going to hear birds. You're going to hear the air conditioner go on, but uh, that's just what we're doing tonight. So I'll do my best to muffle it down in what we like to call post-production, but sorry. Anyways the first episode in the new format and it's going to be kind of lost in the ether right because this is it's not going to appear too much different because the artwork and the listing but if you ever go back years from now or anybody goes back and starts binging this thing and they get to this episode this is the one where the podcast started to turn a little bit hopefully in a positive way i have every aspiration of making it a positive way but this thing started as a fit cast so it started as just fitness it was a placeholder during COVID, it was something I could do because I couldn't go out to departments and do my live presentations. Um, and then it started changing. It changed into like, hey, this is a podcast. Like, I really like having people on and interviewing people. And we're talking about more than just fitness. We're talking about overall firefighter health and wellness. And then as I kept doing these things and kept having conversations, it changed again. And I really started to get into these other areas that aren't necessarily fitness related, Obviously, most things are going to be fitness adjacent, and they're always going to kind of go back to that's where the the roots of this thing are, but I didn't want to limit it. I didn't want to limit it to just fitness stuff, just health and wellness stuff, and the podcasts that were coming up, the ones I got scheduled are a direct reflection of that. I mean, I have ones on promotion tips coming up, Uh, I'm talking with our union president coming up, talking with a clinician, a mental health advocate and clinician coming up, so we're all over the place in a good way because it all comes back to helping firefighters and EMS and everybody kind of get through this thing alive. And, um, you know, that's really turned into what this is, is just a firefighter lifestyle podcast. And I'm so happy. I mean, it took a while, it took 80 something episodes to kind of figure out what I want to do with this, but I think we've arrived. We've arrived at at least the flavor of the year, uh, that we'll be sticking with. So welcome, welcome to tailboard talks, firefighter podcast. I'm excited to have you and, uh, let's get into this one. This is the Tailboard Talks Firefighter Podcast, the best health, wellness, and lifestyle resource for the fire service. We're using stories, lessons, and tips from the front lines to give a realistic view of what the job can do to us and how we can make it out alive. I'm Chris Morella, a firefighter since 03, medic since 05, full-time since 08, and promoted to lieutenant in 20. I'm also a personal trainer and strength coach, and I'm here to give you the best information and host the best discussions to make us capable and durable both on the job and away from it. So grab a heater, steal some fancy creamer from First Shift, and let's go chat. So today's going to be a solo episode, and I want to talk about something, and I've been thinking about this all day long, and all most of the day yesterday, because something came up on Instagram, and I reposted it, and I need to get better at reposting things that I like, because I have a lot of really smart friends, and what I do is, I go through my feed, and I'm like, oh, that's awesome, and then I don't do anything with it. I need to start reposting things and supporting people that have really good stuff going on because there's a lot of them. Now this one, this one struck home for me um, because it kind of hit me in the feels, kind of hit me where, you know, if I have regrets about the way I've acted in the past, it kind of comes down to situations that this describes. And what the graphic says is under preparation is a coping strategy for stress. So it gives a couple examples. If you decided not to study much for an exam or skip out on practice before a big game, if you under preparation allows you to protect your ego because you quote unquote didn't try. 
actually putting forth effort requires being okay confronting your limits and like i said that that one kind of made me pause for a second because if i think back to any of the times that i've been embarrassed of my behavior or frustrated with myself or let myself down it's been times where I was afraid to show how much I cared about something. I was afraid to show how much I wanted to try or I did try. I mean, I can remember even back in like before high school doing projects and spending so much time doing these projects and getting so into it and being so proud of the work I did and how much I, I would just take such enjoyment in creating things. And then I would get to school and I would be feel so embarrassed because I felt like such a dork that I cared so much about something that maybe someone else spent 20 minutes on and I spent hours and hours on. So I, you know, I, I hid it. I hid how enthused I was or how excited about it was about these things. And it just felt so gross, but I didn't have the maturity or experience to like stand up and be like, I'm really proud of this. You know, at the time you just kind of sink back and, and feel like a dork. And, and, uh, you know, sometimes that carries through. I, I mean, it's happened in sports, you know, all the way, you know, until into my 30s where, you know, if I was up against a more skilled or a more um, talented opponent, you know, there's a point where you decide to save your ego and kind of give up and maybe withdraw a little bit and act like you don't care or act like it doesn't mean anything when really maybe it'd be fun to try, but you know you're going to get beat. And so maybe you just hold back a little bit to protect your ego. I mean, it definitely happens in jujitsu, right? There's You can tell when somebody wants out, like when they're done and they're all they're spent and they just went out, it's pretty obvious when they, they give somebody their back or give somebody their arm. You know, in hockey, it was the same thing. You, you, it's pretty obvious when somebody gets kind of alligator arms and, and just doesn't, doesn't live up to what you know either you're capable of or what they're capable of. Now, I'm going to tie this back, of course, to the fire service, and I'll tell you that by the time these events happen in the fire service, I, I'm fortunate enough that I haven't fallen in that trap on calls. Some people have, right? Some people feel the need to play the cool guy role. And no matter what happens, they got to shuffle your feet. Uh, or no matter what happens, they got to shuffle their feet and kind of look at it with a half eyelid stare and kind of shrug it off and, you know, whatever. It's not my emergency. We'll figure it out. Not even we'll figure it out, but like, psh, I mean, not my house that burned down. It's just that cool guy mentality. And, and luckily, I don't have that in me, right? I take a lot of things that happen on the job personally, and I, I kind of internalize them as my problem. Um, I'm not saying that's the healthiest thing to do, and it certainly crosses a boundary from time to time of just worrying about the outcomes of patients and the outcomes of, of stressful calls. But if I think of the times I'm most proud of my behavior and most proud of my actions and most proud of what I've done in the fire service, it's the times where my ego was completely separate from whatever we were doing. And I was able to completely be in the moment and, you know, exposed and vulnerable and do my best, whatever the situation was. Um, and I was, I was riding my bike home from work today from a different station. I, I rode my bike yesterday. I didn't post it on social media. So, I mean, you don't have to believe me that it, it happened or not, but uh, ride my bike home. And I passed by a memorial site on the way home today just because of the route I took. I, I kind of went down the wrong street. And I wasn't avoiding this, this area by any means. I mean, it's, it's clear to me where that memorial site is. I mean, I see it frequently. Um, but at a certain point, I was like, oh, I'm on, I'm on this block. And I'm going to come to a uh, dead end, basically, where I have to turn left and the memorial is going to be right there. 
And that call was probably one of the harder calls of my career. Um, I'm not going to go into too many details because I, I don't want to just spew this vicarious trauma thing out there. You know, so that's when uh, someone else is telling a story and it, it messes you up. You know, you're, you're living their trauma and, and it can affect people severely. That's not the point of this. But it was a call that, that really affected me um, for a while and really affected the guys that were on the call. It involved a kid um, crossing four lanes of traffic where he shouldn't have. And, uh, you know, during that call, I was a junior guy. I was on the engine for the day, and I made a lot of decisions. Um, I kind of took more or less control of that call. The other guys that were with me on the engine, one was an EMTB, and the other was a lieutenant who had been removed from the ambulance for probably about a decade and a half by that point. So they relied on me for a lot of the decision-making when it came to patients or patient care or patient handling. Pretty much everything EMS fell into my lap, and then, you know, greater scene responsibility was lieutenant and then getting us there was the the emtb driver but um i made a lot of decisions during that call and you know you have the option you have the option to sit back and be like well i'm the junior guy and i'm just in the back step so i'm going to do whatever the senior guys tell me to do you know or you see a situation that you can positively i don't well it it turned out to be futile you see a situation that you feel you can positively contribute to and you have to make a decision if you're going to kind of step up and and do that right but you're going to expose yourself you're going to you're going to put yourself on the line for making these decisions and uh despite it being one of the most challenging um you know emotionally and and mentally calls I've been on uh I'm I'm almost the most proud of it because of the way we acted on that call and the the steps we took and how we managed the scene and how he managed the patient. And, uh, you know, I'm sure that story will come out eventually. My, my, my struggles with that call had far less to do with the patient and the, um, specifics of what happened to that kid and more how I saw my decisions impacted the crew. So the decisions I made to, um, treat and move and, um, handle the kid, um, you know, I was kind of running the call at that point and became a certain point in the call where we knew that our efforts were completely uh, in vain. And, you know, we were going to, we were going to do our best no matter what, but it happened to be me in that position telling people what to do when we discovered how, how futile our attempts were. And so I, I took that to heart for a long time. Like, like I was responsible for putting our crew in that position to endure all that unnecessary stress and trauma and hardship. Like I said, I wasn't the only one struggling with it. It was a a difficult call. I don't mean to belabor this. I'm just kind of wrapping my head around this thing. What I'm trying to get at is that I tried so hard. I tried so hard on that call. And even though it didn't turn out well or favorable, um, I don't regret anything we did. I don't regret how I acted. But I can't say the same if I had kind of put my palms in the sky and been like, this is a tough call. Just tell me what to do. Or if I was felt, if I, if I felt like my ego was going to get in the way of being vulnerable to take care of this, this patient, or I was going to be guarded and not want to put myself on the line and be ridiculed for my decisions or examined for my decisions and the, the choices I made. If I was too worried about how I looked and, um, the call ended up the way it did, I wouldn't feel the same way. I would feel like I held back 
and I could have made that situation better. So that's just one story that was kind of running through my head uh, once I saw this quote. And I think it's I think it's parallel to it. It may not be exactly the same. But here's what I'll tell you. From the back-end perspective, because I've only been promoted for two years-ish, I think. Um, right around two years. From the back-end perspective, it always frustrated me when I saw guys trying to play it cool and, and then try to, like, downplay or... Um, you know, make me feel or others feel bad for caring, you know, checking out the rigs, really, really taking care of the station, really interacting and engaging and connecting with the citizens. You know, that's something that I really like to do. And there are some people that consider that like cheesy or dorky, or they'll, they'll look at you like a, like a suck if you, uh, if you try to do that stuff, you know, and that was so frustrating for me because I want to work around people who care. And from an officer standpoint, I want to work with the people who care. I would rather have, and this is a challenging statement, I'd rather work with someone who cared so much and tried so hard and failed occasionally or struggled with some some tasks or some er- in some areas or with some things compared to working with someone who played Mr. Cool Guy and who was just naturally talented and make everything look easy. I'd rather work with that, that try hard, you know, and I put that on there with the the graphic I posted, you know, I'm a proud member of Team Tryhard, and it's been a long time to be comfortable with that because I do care about what people think, and I do, um, even if it's not the most healthy thing or if it's not justified, I do take other people's opinion of me, you know, seriously. Um, but just know that if you're out there and you're feeling like, man, I feel like such a dork for trying to be, you know, overly prepared or or really caring about these aspects of the job or I feel like such a dork when I try to do a really good job giving a station tour and the guys look at me like I'm a total dork and and kind of like you know laugh at me under their breath and walk away listen I want you on my crew I want the people who have that that capability and that capacity for for caring and empathy and and the desire to do that much good I want you on my crew so if you're struggling with that and and you feel exposed and you feel vulnerable and it's not comfortable to do, just know that I got your back with that. Like I would much rather have someone do that and have things they need to work on compared to someone who's too cool to do that stuff or lets their ego get in the way of, of doing the right thing and acting the right way. Um, of course, that's how I believe the right way is to act, but you know, it's public service. We're, we're out here doing a service and this job, whether you want it to or whether no matter how hard you try for it not to, there's going to be a situation where you are absolutely stripped of your ego and you're humbled and you have to perform a task that, you know, in your mind you'd say any spell, any self-respecting person would not do this, but here I am elbow deep in it. And uh, that's the way this job is. And so if you're more concerned about how you look and protecting your ego with getting the job done, then, you know, it could be a very rough road. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a complicated subject, but I don't know. That's how I feel on that one. So this, I'll read it again, this quote, you know, and this kind of idea. Um, it's dangerously close to a motivational quote, by the way, which I've said time and time again I'm not a fan of. But I like this one because it goes on to teach. It doesn't just say, um, you know, you should try hard and live hard or something <laughs> like that. So I'll read it again. Under preparation is a coping strategy for stress. Decided not to study much for an exam or skip out on practice before a big game. Under preparation allows you to protect your ego because you quote unquote didn't try. Actually, putting forth effort 
requires being okay confronting your limits. I want that. I want you guys to to find the environment, find the group of peers, coworkers, friends, support system where you're okay confronting your your uh, your limits, your restrictions, and your your ego's a little bit at stake because that's how we're gonna grow. I really, as much as I hate to do it. Um, I don't like being uncomfortable with that stuff either. Like I'm not one of those people who's like, oh, I love failing and I love being uncomfortable. No, it's uncomfortable. It's it's not cool. Um, it's not fun, but it truly is. It truly is the uh, the most effective realm to grow in. I also realized that I was using that excuse with this podcast. You know, I was saying like, I really don't schedule too much, and you know, me and Kurt just kind of kind of riff on topics, and you know, if I got nothing, I'll just I'll just do a solo one or I'll hang out with Katie. But it's not that popular. I'm not really trying that hard to push it. Um, and every time I said that, I, it just felt gross, right? Because I'm spending time on this thing. I'm spending time recording it and editing it, um, you know, making the graphics, making those little sound bites. And it made me think of another another kind of concept that I heard a while ago. And I didn't look this one up because just it was a fleeting thought in my head that just came back. But um, people like to say like, oh, I'm sacrificing a lot. You know, I'm sacrificing a lot to make this podcast work or I'm sacrificing a lot for this company or or whatever, right? But that's that's not true. You're not sacrificing anything. The person doing the thing isn't sacrificing anything. They're doing what they want to do, right? They may feel a sense of obligation or, or maybe even guilt that they're doing it and not spending time with their family or not doing whatever else, but you're not sacrificing. You're carrying out the thing you want to do. The people who are sacrificing are your family. They're sacrificing. They're giving up their time with you so you can do what you want. And that kind of popped in my head because I'm like, well, if I use that excuse of like, I'm not really trying that hard of it, but it's taking time away from Katie and the kids and I'm with them. What am I doing? Like what, why would I spend time away from them doing this and then say, I don't care about it. Like, is that one of those two is a lie, right? I either care deeply about it and I want to succeed or, uh, you know, I'm okay spending time away from them. I'd much rather spend time with them. So that was part of the change of this thing. Um, opening it up, really beginning to be comfortable with it and expanding it to just the firefighter podcast, the lifestyle podcast is, you know, I want to make it something. I want to make it something that's worth the time I'm spending doing it. And I do care about it and I do want it to succeed. And I'm, I'm frustrated with myself that I hid behind, you know, that's no big deal. I'm not really trying that hard. So it's no big deal if it doesn't succeed. It's, it's gotta, that's gotta change. And so I'm, I'm with you. If, if you're changing, you know, if you've realized something from this episode and, and, uh, you're like, you know what, I can't turn it all around. I'm going to do just a little bit better at, maybe I'm just going to cut out saying, I don't care about it, or it's not that big a deal. Cause I didn't try. Maybe I'm just going to keep acting the same way, but cut out that phrase. And I think you'll notice the difference and maybe you're ready. Maybe you're ready to look, make a little change and be like, you know what, I'm going to let my actions do the talking and I'm going to show that I care about this stuff. And if I get ridiculed a little bit, you know, you, you realize that they're ridiculing you for wanting to do a really good job. It's something that matters a whole lot. And when you put it in perspective like that, all their kind of sideways looks and their, their scoffs and their, um, you know, kind of teasing you behind your back or whatever they think they're doing, it loses a lot of its, its sting because, because you're serving that, that higher, that higher purpose, right? You're, you're, you're preparing yourself to serve the, the citizens and your, your coworkers better. So how can you, how can you be embarrassed about that, right? So, guys, this is, like I said, the turning point, right? Very little to do with uh, fitness in this one, but that's what we're looking at. And I hope you enjoyed some of the stories. Um, 
you know, I got more to come. I'm going to start sharing more and more stories of my experience as a, a back end guy, more experience in my stories as an officer. Um, I had a really, really trying first year as an officer. I was up against and confronted with some pretty significant situations um, on the personnel front, both on the personnel front, on the call front. So we're going to get into those, but uh, hope you guys dig it. Um, thank you for hanging out if you made it this far into it. And I hope you really hope you enjoy the new Tailboard Talks Firefighter Podcast. All right, guys, talk to you soon.